so I have the privilege of being with you this morning, um, and I want to divide my, my words, my comments into two segments. So the first about the scriptures themselves, and particularly the gospel that we just heard. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Namely, peace. You may have heard the story. If you have, smile and pretend that you've not heard it before. Hopefully you haven't heard it before. And so smile and be, uh, enjoy it. Uh, but the story is told about a king who had two quite famous artists that worked in his court. And of course, usually when you get two people who are skilled at the same thing, unless there's an abundance of God's grace, there can tend to be rivalry, huh? Well, this was the case uh, human nature being what it was or is. And so one day the king decided that he had to put this to rest and somehow resolve, if, if, if not at least in his own mind, in his own heart, these two claim to be the greatest king or greatest artists in the kingdom. And so let's put it to rest. And so he summoned the two artists and he said, I've decided that once and for all, we, make, we need to make a determination. And so here's the, the task. You must paint the same theme so that I can judge between the two of you. And the theme is peace. So the two artists agreed and after a week and a half or so of diligent labor, they came back with their respective paintings. First artist presented his painting, quite pleased with his creation, and it was lovely. Uh, it showed a dreamy landscape, rolling hills, a lake without a ripple on it, surface was still as glass, the whole scene spoke of contentment and stillness and, yes, peace. However, the king's own emotions revealed themselves because as he looked at the picture, he began to yawn, which is never a good sign. And so he turned to the artist and he said, you did a lovely job. I'm not going to take that away from you. The, the picture is, is pretty, but it's putting me to sleep. So, second artist steps forward, and his was quite different. It depicted a thundering waterfall, so much so you almost could feel the, the water splashing off the canvas at you. It was so realistic, you could almost hear the water rolling as it crashed on the rocks hundreds of feet below as the image depicted. And the king, quite to the opposite extent of the former response, he barked at the artist. He said, but this is not a scene of peace. This is not what I ordered. 
the artist, without saying a word, he invited the king to take another look at the painting. And it was only at the second glance that he spotted a detail that, he had, that had escaped his attention at the first look. Among the rocks to the side of the crashing waterfall at its base, there was a small shrub painted growing there. And within its branches was a bird's nest. And then looking even more closely, the king noticed that there was a bird sitting on the nest, a sparrow covering her eggs, her eyes half closed. She was anticipating the birth of her chicks. It was a perfect picture of peace. On seeing this, the king was delighted. Turning to the artist, he said, I approve, I so approve of this work. He said, you have conveyed an essential aspect of peace. Your work portrays that even in the midst of chaos and the tumult of life, it is possible to be at peace. There ends the, there ends the, the story. Peace, huh? It's quite interesting. The words that we heard in the gospel this morning from John, they speak to us in this particular moment, but it's important to recognize or realize where they were first spoken. Jesus didn't speak these words when it was all over. And he had risen from the dead as he was packing up, so to speak, and getting ready to ascend to the Father. The words that we heard Jesus speak this morning were originally uttered by him at the Last Supper. It's so important for us to realize that. It is certainly a unique context for such words because we know what comes after, don't we? That's what's pivotal. How could Jesus speak of peace when everything around him was falling apart? Jesus' enemies were closing in on him. Death was just around the corner, let alone betrayal and denial. And yet into those moments, Jesus speaks a word of peace, a peace that the world cannot give, as he himself says. But it only stands to reason, because it's only God. The Lord Jesus, speaking in the Father's name, that is able to give to the world that kind of peace. And peace is not just an absence of war or dissension. 
nor is it a simple harmony or a tranquility. True peace is a state of inner calm which surpasses all of our human limited thought. It's impossible for us to create by human effort alone. We need the help and the grace of God. And that's what he brings us. And let's pray, God, he brings it to us now at the moment in which we live more than ever because our world desperately needs that kind of peace, a peace that transcends, a peace that is able to speak into all of the moments of violence and destruction and invasion and hatred and bigotry and judgment and on and on and on. Only God can transform. True peace, that state of inner calm which surpasses human thought, it's the result of our, yours and mine, our trust and our rest in God. It is possible only with God's help in the midst of toil and turmoil and conflict and unresolved problems. It's the Easter event. It's the Easter moment. It's this Easter season. Not only to imagine the possibility of such peace, but to make it real by our own willingness to be changed. Realistically, you and I are not going to transform the world but we can transform ourselves with the help of God's grace. That's where it begins. To allow God into our hearts to speak that word of peace that changes us. That's the peace the Lord came to give. My visit here also this weekend is the opportunity to speak to you not only as the local bishop, the vicar for Vicariate One, this north woods of the Archdiocese of Chicago, if you will, but also to celebrate the Eucharist and also to speak a word about the whole Renew My Church process and basically to challenge you, to challenge all of us, myself too, to the next phase, the next step, the building of the new reality. In the initial phase of the Renew My Church process, namely discernment decisions and discipleship, representatives from this faith community here at St. Joe's, along with people, parishioners from St. Mary of Vernon and Vernon Hills were grouped together, and our group together. Through a review process, through a discernment process, members from both parishes looked critically at how each is doing. How are you doing as a parish? How are they doing as a parish? Taking stock not only in what has already taken place and recognizing what is currently unfolding, but also having a keen eye to the future. What is yet to come? 
And based on the outcome of that initial phase, I am pleased to announce, nor and, and you should not be surprised, that there is to be no structural change, neither here to St. Joseph's or the school or to St. Mary of Vernon and Vernon Hills. But I do want to take a moment to express gratitude for any and all who were involved in this process and the parish's everyday work. Wonderful things continue to happen here at St. Joseph. And we pray that God will multiply that. For many reasons, like I said, it should come as no surprise. So many things. But the danger always in reaching a point and saying, well, look at how well we've done and how well we're doing. It's not a bad thing to do. But it's easy then to become and rest on our laurels and say, well, we've arrived. None of us have, none of us have arrived until he comes in glory. And so how do we continue to do the work at hand? And so the next phase of building the new reality, we're asked to continue to grow what already exists. And beyond that, how do you and I continue? Continue to be witnesses in a radical way to the world in which we live. Not to ourselves, but to him. At the end of the day, it's about him. How do we, as we know what's at the core of, as we know what's at the core of the Renew My Church process is becoming and making missionary disciples. How do I continue to grow? And I, I've got work to do. I, no public confessions, so don't be disappointed. But I know myself, I've got work to do. I haven't arrived. In fact, I'm far from it every time I stand before him. It's a mirror that sometimes isn't so pleasant to look into. I know personally I have a lot of work to do. And I invite you and offer you the same challenge. We all have work to do. To grow in holiness. To grow in love. To become better disciples. How do you and I, in the world in which we live, make Christ present? It's a daunting task. And we can do it with the help of God's grace. The new reality that we are to be about is as old as the gospel itself. We call it the new evangelization. We call it all kinds of new names. But it's the same truth that came in the person of Jesus Christ. How do we make that alive in our living? And so we gather to celebrate the Eucharist. That's where we begin. We gather around the table of the Word and the table of the Eucharist, and we're renewed. Not just for in here. It's easy to do it in here. We have to do it out there. And the world waiting for us out there desperately needs 
him.